0: Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Welcome back to another edition of Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. As always, I am your host, Doug Lay Maurice. Not as always, I'm sitting with a comforter on my head in a hotel room. And if my big boss is listening to this, this is because. I value sound quality, so I hope this is uh, pretty stinking melodic in your ears right here, people. Um, we're making it happen. We're doing it. This is the upbeat scarlet-colored glasses 12-0 2019 season Ohio State podcast. I, th- I may get to some of your questions at the end, but mostly we are going to talk about your undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes. I've talked to two loyal listeners to the podcast who will speak on behalf of the fans who uh, are so excited about this Ohio State season. I, I, I am listening to you and I think I stated this before. My official prediction at the moment in mid July in the Cleveland.com preseason poll was nine and three. I am open to change and the change may start on Friday. When we meet with Ryan Day, we're going to talk to some players. Camp is starting. Camp is starting, and on August sixth, which is next week, we should get a full look at an entire practice, and that's going to be awesome. But we will have a uh, start to get a better idea then. So I'm I'm open to change, but right now this is for you. This is for the optimists. This is for the upbeat Buckeye fans. Um as always we we appreciate you guys listening if if you haven't tried our project text uh, subscription yet I I'd, I'd recommend maybe checking that out we, we the the people that I got for this podcast have been loyal listeners for a long time but I sent out a call about 12 and 0 uh and your thoughts on that to the tech subscribers this week and I'm going to do this more and more I value all you guys okay and I value your opinions and I'm going to keep tweeting and of course I'm going to keep writing I'm a writer at heart I'm a wordsmith i like to tell stories why did i come to cleveland.com i came to tell stories most you know i came because i needed i needed money man come on why why does anyone take a job anyway um i like doing the podcast i like talking i like hearing myself talk but the tech subscribers i'm going to start using is kind of like a focus group as well because if you're paying four bucks a month for me to text you you really care about Ohio State football. So that focus group is going to help inform this podcast, is going to help inform my writing. So, like, get in on that, bro. Get in on it because you want the info. Get in on that because you want a little Dougie in your life on a daily basis. But it, get in on it because your voice is going to matter just a step more, just a little bit more because you're paying. Um So we did that, and and the two guests this week, we're going to start with them. We're, we're going to lay a groundwork, about 12-0. and 0. Uh, The first guy just laid out a really smart – um Sort of template for why you might think that way. That I made a list of 10 reasons they could go 12 and 0. We'll get into that a little bit deeper. I'll read some more of, uh, of what you guys texted about 12 and 0. I did a poll on Twitter. See, I still talk to the Twitter people. Did a poll on Twitter about how many, you know, what percentage of people think this team could go 12 and 0. So we're going to get into all of that. If it's not about 12 and 0, it doesn't interest us this week. Uh, I did extend to an ESPN PR person an invite to Joey Galloway who on ESPN has predicted 12 and 0 for Ohio State. I also tweeted at Ryan Leaf. I didn't just tweet him, I DM'd him. Ryan Leaf, the former number 2 pick in the NFL draft who is now doing some work for ESPN. He also has predicted Ohio State to go 12 and 0. He's going through and making all his predictions. For every conference in college football. Those are the only two that I've seen. I put out a call for anyone who, who had seen another 12 and 0 prediction from anybody else in the media. I, I have not gotten any other responses on that. So, um, so this is the Joey Galloway, Ryan Leaf and excited Ohio State fans podcast. Let's get to these fans who are going to lay the groundwork. Then we'll come back with more reasons why the 2019 Buckeyes are going to be perfect here on Buckeye Talk. Okay. On this 12 and 0, buckeye talk podcast we're going out to one of our loyal tech subscribers i asked people to send in reasons they could go 12 and 0 and this guy had a very good explanation for it so now we're going to talk to him so so texter who are you <laughs> my name is chris
1: mccormick um born and raised in ohio i live in florida now i'm a fifth grade teacher and just lifelong buckeye fan uh loyal listener so this is uh, really exciting for me
2: So right now you just told all your kids it's like quiet reading time while you have to hop on a podcast, right? Well,
1: luckily there's the summers where I get a little bit of a break from the kids. So we're we're heading back in a couple of weeks.
2: I saw uh, a friend of mine on Facebook who lives in Texas. Their kids started school in July still. They started like yesterday. So you do not start in July in Florida. No,
1: unless you're in summer school. (laughs) <laughs> we start in august.
2: Okay. Well, that's better. Well, I'm glad the uh, the kids don't have to wait. So, Chris, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Um wh- wh- I want to go through parts of your answer here, but when I when I sure. sent out this call, I sent out the call to say, "Hey, make your case for 12 and 0. Did you find that you had difficulty coming up with reasons or did this just flow out of you because you believe this in your bones?"
1: You know, I it, it took a little bit uh, of trying to convince myself but once i really sat through sat there and uh, thought through it i really i really do believe that 12 and 0 is possible
2: so i think the the best place to start with a 12 and 0 prediction is at the quarterback spot because basically that's the best place to start with every discussion of every football team in the world so you you are leaning in to the fact that Trevor Lawrence, who was the number one recruit in his recruiting class, led Clemson to a national title last year in his first year of college football, and Justin Fields was the number two recruit in that class. And now here we are. Justin Fields is in his first year at Ohio State, but it's his second year of college football. So if Trevor Lawrence could do it in year one, why can't Justin Fields do it in year two? thats that... How much of the Lawrence Fields comparison do you think is is valid when you are talking about those two situations?
1: I th- I think it's really valid. Um, you know, this is actually Fields' second year in college. Lawrence came right in true freshman, led him to a national championship. Fields was right behind him there in the rankings. He's got just as much talent, and I I just I just I just think. With Ryan Day there um, as his mentor, he's just going to tweak the offense um, that's going to be conducive to Field's style of play. And, I mean, look what he did with Haskins last year. I mean, he took, he took a first-year starter, turned him into a first-round draft pick, Heisman candidate, broke every single record in the book. And I'm not saying Fields is going to break every single record in the book. but What I am saying is he doesn't need to this year. So <clears throat> the defense is going to be better. Field isn't going to have to put up 50 points, throw 500 yards, six touchdowns here. So I think with Ryan Day as as Field's mentor, he's really going to be able to work and make the offense conducive. And with a defense that holds a team from putting up 40, 50 points every game, Field isn't going to have to put up as many points as Haskins did.
2: I, I do want to dive more into the defense, but I think that the Ryan Day point you bring up is one that you also mentioned in your response what, do you, what is your level of belief in Ryan Day and his ability to put this offense and to put Justin Fields in the right position, because so much of you know the quarterback is connected to the play calling and vice versa. How would you describe on a scale of one to 100? Well, we'll go, <laughs> we always talk on this podcast scale of one to 1,000, a scale of one to 1,000. Okay. What is your rating for your belief in Ryan Day to put Justin Fields in the right position?
1: Oh my gosh. 99.9. I, 9. I, I yes. mean, you always talk about going, I need to see it. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just looking at what I have seen from Ryan Day so far. Uh, I mean, he worked great with JT his first year, last year with Haskins, the first three year or the first three games as a coach last year, he won those. The offense looked great. So I have no reason not to believe that he won't put Fields in the best position.
2: I think um, you didn't mention this necessarily in your email. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because, it's, uh, maybe a little bit of a of a, of a questionable <laughs> link, but I've also had people who have responded and brought this up as well. The offensive line has four new starters, okay. um, and obviously, again, we're tying all this stuff together. It all ties together. I mean, it's like I always get mad when coaches yeah. say, like, well, everything's collaborative and everything's connected, and it's like, well, I just want to talk about one yeah. thing, and now here I am tying stuff together. The offensive line is new, but as we've talked and written about and everybody knows, you know, the three guys who are going to start on the right side of the line, center, right guard, right tackle are all basically top 50 national recruits. Do you have extreme belief in the ability of this offensive line even though it's not very experienced to play pretty well right away?
1: I do, and I think that's where Haskins' dual threat ability comes into comes into fields, play here right field uh, fields, tool right right, right right field yep um i would have been more concerned if Has, well uh, i'd be more concerned with the haskins style quarterback yes. they wouldn't have the mobility or the escapability to get out uh, of some pressure that he might feel but um i do have confidence in the coaching staff um that they can get that line together and give fields enough time to make a play and i think that's what they're going to put him I think that's the situations that they're going to put Fields in. They're going to put him in the situation to make a play, and I think Fields is a playmaker. I mean, he was the number one dual threat QB in the, in the country, number two overall prospect in the whole country. So, I mean, there's talent there.
2: In, in your response on text, and again, you guys should subscribe to this, you wrote Fields along with the defense are the two biggest question marks coming into the season, and that's right. I, I agree with that. I'm sure almost everyone um, listening to this agrees with that. In your mind, which is the bigger question mark? As you, when you're writing the, the 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 rationale for 12 and 0, which is the thing that you actually are a little more hesitant about? Is it fields or is it the defense?
1: Whew, that's a good one. I I think I think probably the defense. Okay. I am I'm re- I'm pretty confident that day is going to put Fields in a position. I'm pretty confident in Fields' ability. I, like you said, I, I need to see, I need to see that defense, maybe the first game to, to really buy in into the change. But I mean, I, they've kind of overhauled the staff. Um, I like the, I like what I'm hearing about the linebackers and how they're ma- they're simplifying the defense. And I, I think that's going to be a more effective approach than last year. And hopefully offenses on the other side of the ball aren't going to be putting up the amount of points that they did last year so field doesn't have to score a touchdown every drive
2: so you don't have to try to go win at maryland 52 exactly. 51 or whatever it is. Last um, second, exactly when you think about now i'm going to ask you to go backwards a little bit because it's hard for us to project i mean we're all i know you know camp is coming on friday and we all are eager for the chance to get more eyeballs on these guys. But when you look back at last year's defense, and you try to evaluate it, do you think in the end, the issue was more the players on the field? Or the issue was more the coaches not calling the right defenses or not putting the correct guys on the field? Was it more talent? Or was it more coaching?
1: I gotta say coaching. I mean, I think they have all the talent in the world. And I think one of my points, uh, that I made in my response to you was that I think Ohio State's going to have more talent than anybody they face um, in the regular game in, their, in yeah. the regular season.
2: Um, yeah.
1: I think they ha- they're loaded with talent, um, but I just think they put them in a situation that wasn't working and they couldn't they couldn't get their get out of it. And I think this year, from what I've been reading, I guess um, the defense seems to be. Uh, seems to think it's going to be a little more simplified and easy easier to maneuver so I'm I'm really thinking that uh, the defense is going to get it together this year so I hope hoping the defense gets it together this year
2: what was your level of shock as a fan watching <laughs> watching an Ohio State defense that not only gave up points like that but just so often seemed like it, it, it kind of didn't know what it was doing. Like guys were in the wrong spot. They were getting beaten. Um, they were, they were missing tackles. Just what was it like to watch as someone who's watched Ohio state football your whole life?
1: Sad, sad be, because, well, I grew up with the silver bullet defense, def, you know, the shutouts. I mean, I grew up when the coaches would tell, would tell our team defense wins championships. And I'm also sad because I feel like that's the way college football going. Um, You know, the, Bend, but not break. Defense is gonna gonna give up a lot of points, but um, I thought Ohio State's defense gave up way too many points, um, and I thought they were lucky to uh, have won as many games as they did. So I mean, they have to get that fixed uh, to have a winning season, not only to go twelve and zero.
2: When you look then at these coaches hired on the defensive side, you have Greg Madison, who is a super experienced guy who's coordinated in college, who has worked in the NFL. You have Jeff Hafley who had a really good reputation uh as a coach, secondary coach in the NFL. You have Al Washington, who's an up-and-coming guy as a linebacker's coach. Uh, you have Larry Johnson, who's one of the very best defensive line coaches in the NFL or college at any level. Larry Johnson teaches technique and, I think, connects with players as well as anybody out there. And then you have Matt Barnes helping out in the secondary. Do you have a belief, and again, you know, a lot of this stuff um we're all still trying to get a read on but like in your gut is do you have a belief in the defensive staff that ryan day has assembled or is it more built on the idea of like well it can't be worse than greg Schiano and bill davis
1: i think i think i i think it can't be worse than than what we saw <laughs> last year i mean it just it cannot be worse than last year and i i mean i think they do have have some guys that I'm looking forward to see what they can do especially Halfley and Washington some of the younger the younger guys and uh, I think they're going to be a little more in tune with uh, with the team than uh Shiano and Davis were last year.
2: And so then when we talk about the players on defense and again I think one of the hardest things in trying to evaluate the defense right now is still trying to figure out who they're going to play. And you know, you you yeah. get hung you know who starts matters but they're going to play um, sub packages they're going to have three corners sometimes they're going to have the bullet in there sometimes they're going to have three linebackers in there sometimes they're going to rotate on the defensive line they're going to have that rushman package where they have three or four ends in to rush the passer we know all of that stuff but they're going to settle on these 14 or 15 guys who are going to play the majority of snaps defensively and then you know when it really really matters on 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 third and three in the fourth quarter of a close game like who's on the field we don't exactly know that yet so without knowing that, I think it can be a hard question to answer. But when you think about the players and when you think about the way they've recruited recently and just what you normally think about Ohio State defense in, in general, do you feel as confident in the level of talent on the defensive side as you have in past years? Do you feel more confident? Do you feel less confident? Just what do you think about the sort of the upside of, of the guys who are going to be on the field defensively?
1: Oh, I think they're as talented as they as they've ever been. Uh, I'm most interested to see how they how they maneuver the linebacker position. Are they going to yeah. play tough Borland? Are they going to play Tarada Mitchell. <clears throat> I mean, it, it gets complicated because Borland's a, a captain. Um, so a concern of mine would be, um, say, Mitchell yeah. makes makes better plays. Uh, he's, he's the guy to start. So they start him. Does that cause um, locker room tension? Does that start to impact the culture? And I think that's Um, That would be my biggest concern there, that decision to play Tough Borland or not.
2: There's a a couple more things I want to get into, sort of like this is more the intangible stuff, uh, which I always like to talk about. Um, You didn't mention this specifically, and, you know, I mean, you you can't write me a a (laughs) 6,000-word text. Well, I guess you actually probably could. The length of my texts are limited what I send out. But what you guys send back, I think, is unlimited. So if you want to send a six thousand word text, I'm here for it. But
1: oh, okay, I'll, I'll get to work tonight. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I might just—that's <laughs> the thing. I also might just steal it and take it as my own idea if it's like really good. I might just <laughs> cut and paste and put it <laughs> on Um I owe you a couple. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the the idea of Urban Meyer as a veteran coach who who did it as well as just about anybody in college football um compared to Ryan Day as a guy who's never been a head coach before other than the three mm-hmm. games early last year where does that fit into your 12 and 0 thinking like do you think and this is impossible to answer but like if Urban was still here and let's say that Justin Fields was here with Urban cuz Ryan Day went out and got Justin Fields and convinced Urban this was the way to go if everything and say that Urban fired the defensive staff and fired his friends and brought in these same dudes. And Ryan Day said, Hey, I know Jeff Halfley. And like everything else was the same. And the only difference is Ryan Day is still the offensive coordinator and Urban Meyer is the head coach. Would you feel better about 12 and 0 with Urban as the head coach? Or do you actually feel like Ryan Day, fresh blood, new outlook makes you more confident about 12 and 0?
1: I love Meyer. And I, 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 I think he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, probably one of the, one of the best behind Woody at at Ohio State. But I do like this clean slate that Day brings. I, I think there was with last year with everything going on that had to, that had to be, that had to play a part, um, in some of the close games, some of the losses. Um, I, I just kind of like, I just kind of like having Day here come in with, um, a fresh start.
2: I will say that has been something in the responses that I've gotten that has maybe been a a little more prevalent than I would have suspected that I've been talking and writing a lot about the idea idea of like, listen, you're replacing a legend. You don't just walk in and be as good as Urban Meyer. And there does seem to be a belief in in some section of the fan base of like, you know what? Like sometimes you need a fresh set of eyes and sometimes you need a guy who's maybe not burdened by some health stuff or burdened by, hiring his friends or whatever that like that that not only is it that that Ryan Day can be just as good as Urban but that actually there are parts of Ryan Day that will be better that Ryan Day instead of Urban Meyer makes Ohio State better and I, I don't think I'm there right now but the the way that you just talked about it Chris and other people have talked about it I'll admit I'm thinking about that idea a little bit more because to me, off the bat, my instinct was like, well, listen, like it's not as easy as it looks. Right. Um, But the more that like Ryan Day does good stuff, I think the more people think like, yeah, I I think this guy can do this.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, no one no one transferred out. Um, He's working on top five recruiting classes for the next uh, the upcoming next two years um I think people like this guy I think people want to play for this guy I think people believe in him um and I think he's I think he's got something I think he's got something here um and I'm really looking forward to seeing it
2: all right last question Chris and this is I think is a yeah. context, A contextual question that needs to be asked in a typical Ohio State season of the past whether it was during the Urban Meyer era or the Jim Trestle era or however far back you want to go to the John Cooper era or anything else? How often, going into a season as a fan, did you think to yourself, "Yeah, I, I think they're going undefeated this year"? Like, do you? I know you said at the start, like you sort of had to get yourself to twelve and zero. But are you the type of fan who sort of thinks, like, "Yeah, yeah, I love these guys. They always have talent. Yeah, they're going twelve and 0 Or, you know, are you someone who's had years where you thought, "Oh, I see two or three losses," and then maybe they did better than you think? What? What do you normally? think going into a season
1: well i never thought cooper was going to go 12 and 0 i don't think i I don't think i don't really think i ever thought trestle was going to go 12 and 0 but i think there were a couple years there i think maybe coming off that 2014 championship that i had high hopes for 2015 and um a couple years ago i i think i had the most i think i thought meyer had the best chance uh, in my lifetime of going 12 and 0 And I just kind of see Day here um, with that same opportunity. I I think everything's aligned this year. I think the defense is going to tighten up. I think he's found a quarterback that he's going to be able to to use and um, to use well um, to get the offense going, put up points. And I think they're going to rally around Day. I think they they kind of think they're think of themselves as maybe coming in as the under with Michigan uh, projected to win the Big Ten. I think they're going to use that as a chip on their shoulder this year.
2: The well, last time Ohio State had a new uh, head coach, he went uh, 24-0 and to start his career. So uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe 12-0 and won't be that difficult. Uh, Chris McCormick, I think you put together uh, a, a realistic case for 12-0, and that's the thing, and, and, and we're going to delve into this. Um, it, I certainly am not in the camp of thinking that, that 12-0 and is impossible uh, it's just not what I'm predicting, but I, I do. I'm interested in laying out the case for it, and I think in a lot of ways you've really covered a lot of the important points here, Chris. So we know you've been a loyal Buckeye Talk listener uh, for a long time. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you reading Cleveland.com. We appreciate you being a Tech subscriber, uh, and it was great to have you on Buckeye Talk.
1: Oh, that, thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate it.
2: Alright, thanks to Chris for that. And, uh, and, uh, he was really good. My apologies for, um, forgetting the fact that it's summer. And that that's why he's not in the middle of teaching a class and then trying to cover it up with like, uh, oh, it's, you could be teaching class in July. My summer is over because I'm at football practice and I'm, I'm sitting in a hotel with a comforter over my head doing a podcast. So I think everyone else's summer is over. So I forget, I forget sometimes, but, um, so I want to lay some more groundwork here and then we're going to get to our, our second guest, but, um, I'm, I'm not saying that Ohio State can't go 12 and oh, I just want some context in this. So, we all remember, of course, that in 2012, Urban Meyer's first year, Ohio State went 12-0. In 2013, Urban Meyer's second year, Ohio State went 12-0, 24-0 to start the career of Urban Meyer before the Big Ten championship game loss to Michigan State in 2013, before which I think I said something like um, – you know if ohio state loses this game to michigan state i'll never podcast again or something like that because i was i was so 1000% persuaded that uh, there was no chance for michigan state to beat ohio state in that game and then it happened but i just a reminder and then an unreminder that that going undefeated in the college football regular season is not that easy in the playoff era we've had 5 playoff years 14 15 16 17 18 there have been 7 undefeated regular seasons Florida State in 2014 in the ACC as the defending national champs. 2015, Clemson went 14 and 0 and then lost the national championship game to Alabama, but had reached 14 and 0. 2016, Alabama reached 14 and 0 before losing the national championship game to Clemson. So 15 and 16, Clemson and, and Alabama switched. The undefeated team lost in the national championship game both those times. Uh, so we ended up with no undefeated team overall, but both we had each of those seasons we had one team reach 12 and 0. So that's 3 in 3 years. 2017 Wisconsin, you remember, was 12 and 0 going into the Big 10 Championship game against one-legged JT Barrett. And the Buckeyes beat the Badgers then. And then, of course, last year, three teams reached 12-0, including the Notre Dame team that I said a thousand times, Notre Dame will lose, Notre Dame will lose. Sometimes people remind me that I said, don't worry about that part of Ohio State making the playoff because Notre Dame's not going to get through undefeated. Then Notre Dame got through undefeated. So it's hard, but I will accept as part of the rationale for going 12-0 If Wisconsin and Notre Dame can do it, Ohio State can do it because you don't have to be perfect to twelve to be twelve and zero. Believe it or not, like you 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 have to be perfect in your record. You do not have to be perfect on the field. And while I don't think trying to compare this Ohio State team to recent Alabama or Clemson teams makes much sense, and those are four of the seven undefeated regular seasons in the playoff era, are Alabama and Clemson. I think comparing this Ohio State team to the other three teams that made it through undefeated regular seasons in the playoff era does make sense. That's 2014 Florida State, 2017 Wisconsin, 2018 Notre Dame. And in particular, let's look at the Notre Dame schedule from last year because I think there might be some comparisons there. I have talked a lot about the schedule and how I think it's sneaky hard, and there are five teams that are going to be ranked in the preseason um, again, my AP ballot is due uh, August 5th. I think they said it comes out August 19th. And that is your official, real, hardcore, I'm going to spend like 11 minutes doing the ballot. That is, <laughs> I'm just going to read Phil Steele and photocopy it, send it in, scratch out Phil Steele's name and put my name on it. That's what every year Phil Steele puts out of like a, a thing that's like, this is what I think the AP poll is going to be in three months. And like he's often really on track with that because we then look at what he said he thinks the AP poll is gonna be, and then we use that to help us vote. So like it's a self fulfilling prophecy. So he looks like a genius, but we're actually just copying Phil. I, I I'm writing about a Trevor Bauer trade. I'm in a hotel under a comforter. I just I honestly I won't spend some more than I will spend more than eleven minutes on it. But I, I'm really not gonna get Real deep into detail about why I think uh, Texas A&M should be ranked a spot higher than Penn State. Like, I, I apologize. Um, if you want to pay me, I'd do better. Hey, I got invited, by the way, to the mock playoff committee selection. In October in Grapevine, Texas, they've been doing this since the advent of the playoff. Like they invite journalists there and then you get to sit around and you pretend you're on the committee. They've been doing it with the basketball uh, committee thing forever. But I don't, I don't know enough about college basketball to try to do that, but I am all about myself and I like to do cool things. So I'm excited to be invited. And I responded in like one second and said like, I'm in, baby. So I will get to go. I'm so far down the list. It's like, Oh wow, Doug got invited. It's like, yeah, they're like down to like the, I don't know. I think they invite like 13 people. This is the sixth year of it. So it's like, am I among the top 70 college football writers in the country? I hope so. My gosh, I've been dedicating my life to this stuff for 15 years. I hope I'm in the top 70. Congratulations, me. You made the top 70. But anyway, I'm excited to do that and write about it and uh, get a better idea about it. So when I criticize it, my criticism will be even more precise. Back to Notre Dame last year. They played four ranked teams who were ranked during the regular season when Notre Dame played them. Number fourteen, Michigan, in the opener in week five. They played number seven, Stanford, in week six. They made they played number twenty four, Virginia Tech, and then uh, in week eleven they played number twelve, Syracuse. Now the thing there that I think is can be similar is that it it's like a legitimate schedule, but there is not a Bama or Clemson or Oklahoma or Georgia on there. There there are things that look like quality wins, but really aren't super duper tests. And so we're going to get into the schedule later. But when I say, hey, you got to play Nebraska. You got to play Wisconsin. You got to play Penn State. You got to play Michigan State. You've got Michigan at the end. I think there's a world where a lot of that could unfold like Notre Dame season last year, where in totality, it looks like, hey, you played some good teams. But honestly, in a single week, did you feel going into the game like, ugh, there's no way Ohio State can win this, you know? I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, Notre- I, in the 12 and 0 perspective on things, right? I think the mission, Mich- I think the Nebraska game is going to be really tough. And I've mentioned that, but from the perspective of like, are they playing a team with more talent? Eh, yeah, no. Did Notre Dame play a team with more talent where you said, ugh, Stanford's ranked seventh. Man, they're going to out talent us. No, Notre Dame didn't think that going into that game. Stanford's good, but they're not USC at their height. They played USC at the end of the season, and USC is is in a lull, which is really good for Notre Dame. So... They beat the ranked teams they played. They beat Michigan 24-17, honestly, in a game that in the opener, Michigan maybe probably should have won. And if the game had gone five quarters instead of four, Michigan probably would have won. They beat Stanford 38-17, took care of business. They beat Virginia Tech 45-23. They beat Syracuse 36-3. So they actually took care of business against the ranked teams. They had a close one against Pitt, 1914. They only beat USC by a touchdown at the end. They beat Northwestern by 10. You know, Northwestern wound up winning the Big Ten West. So I think that could be a pattern, and I think that if Ohio State does go twelve and zero, I think there might be people who every week are saying this is the week they lose. It might be me. It might be me saying like, well, even like saying like in October of like, well, okay, they're they're six and zero going into the bye, but I just don't the way they're playing. I just don't see how they're going to get actually get through this. And then you know what? Like they kind of get through it. So again, in the playoff era, seven teams, undefeated regular season. And then, oh, by the way, Wisconsin. Let's talk about Wisconsin in 2017. If Wisconsin can do it, Ohio State can do it. Because you saw Wisconsin, that 12-0 Wisconsin team. JT Barrett couldn't walk. Hit surgery like two days before the game. They should have played Dwayne Haskins in that game. JT Barrett couldn't move, and he beat Wisconsin. So it's like, no offense to Wisconsin, but, you know, Wisconsin got through a Big Ten schedule that did not include a gigantic – non-conference power game, and they made it. So if Wisconsin can do it, Ohio State can do it. So that's a that's a little bit of a threshold for that. And now I want to get into uh, a little more specifics about the week-to-week, what those individual games are going to look like week-to-week. And a great friend of the program had a really good perspective on that. So let's bring him in now as we continue with these Scarlet Colored Glasses 12-0 Buckeye Talk. All right. Here now with Tyler Shoemaker, who is about as loyal as they come when it comes to uh Buckeye Talk listeners. Tech subscriber, been with us a long time. And Tyler Shoemaker, I used your tech subscription to basically assault you over the phone, wherever you happen to be right now, and demand that you be on Buckeye Talk. So who are you and what are you doing right now as I take up your time?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm Tyler Shoemaker. I live in South Carolina, but I I lived in Ohio for about 23 years, uh, went to Ohio State, so, you know, your your podcast has been uh, my favorite Buckeye podcast for for a long time now, so, uh, so, yeah, you caught me on my lunch break, so it worked out.
2: <laughs> Beautiful. Um, well, listen, so I, we're, we're doing the 12 and 0 podcast, and I wanted to dive in because you sent, among the many interesting correspondences that we have had over the years, Um you said that you look at nine uh, formulas for entertainment purposes to figure out uh you know who's good at football and you said in in the formulas that you look at six of the nine have was that right have Ohio State favored in every no 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 you said the formulas have Ohio State favored by at least six in every game other than the Michigan game so, so, just explain to me a little bit like uh what kind of fancy voodoo math you're looking at there, and how much that matters to you in evaluating an, an Ohio state season if you feel like numbers that you rely on are showing you that eleven weeks out of twelve the Buckeyes are big favorites
0: yeah well, I look at um i've I've done a lot of research on different um for, i mean free free resources that are online that anyone can find um you know like Phil Steele has, you know, puts puts out his thing, so I, I account for his numbers uh, in there. Uh, Brad Powers from pregame.com, uh, a lot of well-respected uh, college football minds kind of put out their power rankings, and then I also find some other computer models, and then you know, kind of plug that into uh, to a formula. It's it's the short of it is, is it's basically an average um, of those numbers. Uh, but yeah, so um, my numbers have Ohio State favored by six. In every game except the Michigan game, I would have them as about a three and a half point underdog right now, uh, heading into the season. Now, obviously, those numbers will change, you know, as as they actually play some football. But but as of right now, that's that's where it stands.
2: It, it, given how w- what you've done with this and your experience in, in trying to evaluate games and teams and seasons this way. How much does that mean to you? Like, if 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 I'm what we're doing on this podcast is trying to figure out if Ohio State can go 12 and 0, if the numbers that you rely on are telling you they're you know pretty strong favorites, 11 out of 12 weeks, how confident does that make you about the potential idea of 12 and 0?
0: Uh, I'm pretty confident. I mean, the numbers are um, especially last year's when I really ramped up, you know, doing it, spending a ton of time and doing a ton of research on it, um, and kind of honing my formula. Um, but I mean, it's, it's pretty accurate. Um, you know, but there are statistical outliers, you know, no matter what, like, you know, Iowa two years ago and Purdue last year, I mean, they were huge favorites in both of those games and had lost outright. So, um, I mean, it's, it's obviously not a foolproof system. Cause if, if it was, I'd be a lot richer and you know, that would be my job, <laughs> but, um,
2: You wouldn't be on yeah, some I, random I, podcast on your yeah. lunch break talking to me if it was foolproof.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, you, but it it is pretty pretty accurate and it gives you a good uh, a good baseline, uh, you know, when you're evaluating the games. But you know, obviously, that's why they the games aren't played on paper.
2: So, so on this very upbeat, very positive 12-0 edition of Buckeye Talk, I I think the most interesting part of what you're saying to me is there are certainly are teams that Ohio State plays when you look at a season and you say hey I think Nebraska is better than people think I think they might get them you know that's a tough road game and I think Wisconsin's gonna right. bounce back after last year and and don't sleep on Penn State Michigan State they're playing all these teams that you know are gonna be ranked in the top 25 but honestly you know when you look at recruiting rankings and those kind of things haven't recruited as well as Ohio State so that to me is where this comes in is it is that sort of a reminder to you of like, yeah, well, you know, maybe Wisconsin's pretty good and Nebraska's pretty good and Penn state's pretty good, but you know, Ohio state's Ohio state and they're going to be just like very strong favorites, even against top 25 teams. Is, Is that sort of maybe the, the, the vibe that you get when you look at numbers like this?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, um, you know kind of a, a simplistic way to look at it would be if these two teams played their best game on that day this team you know being Ohio State would be favored by 6 six points or more um and like I, said, I don't I don't have my numbers in front of me but but I was kind of shocked at the uh Nebraska you know what my projected line for the Nebraska game would be because I'm pretty sure it was uh double digit uh favorites so that that kind of kind of surprised me it makes me a little nervous uh you know as as you pointed out that's going to be uh potentially this year's purdue i hope that's not the case but i I think that that possibility is out there
2: and i do think that's an important point um maybe it's more would be a point for the for a nine and three podcast which is what we've kind of already done for a couple months here but like the idea of (laughs) if you think you know anybody can can jump up and get you out of nowhere which is what we saw with Purdue and Iowa the last two years. And there aren't, aren't numbers anywhere on earth that would predict that, that, that would predict an actual loss for Ohio State. You know, if you get a vibe for the team and you could watch the way the defense was playing last year and look at Jeff Brom and Rondale Moore and think to yourself, man, I wonder if something's coming, or you could look at the – The game the year before, and they're coming off the big Penn State win, and you're thinking, man, are they going to have trouble getting back up for this? So you can do that sort of intangible stuff, but there's not like a talent, a talent or number analysis that would have led you to, you know, maybe you maybe you would have bet on Purdue or Iowa, like plus the points, but but there wouldn't have been anything that would have led you to Ohio State's going to lose that day. But if you think nine and three, it's not to me what nine and three would be is is not them. Having out at three out of nowhere games somewhere in there would be at least one or two losses where you know what, they played pretty well and they just weren't good enough because the team they also played was pretty good and And what to me is happening is when you cite numbers like that, you're leading me away from that. Now, you have to leave open the possibility of of the thing that nobody sees coming, but I think you're making a case for good against good. At their best against a team that's at their best, like nobody is going to beat Ohio State except for maybe Michigan.
0: Exactly, and that's um, and and you also have to consider Michigan's at home. So what that does from a point spread perspective is generally so I would have them as a three and a half point favorites. But basically, what that means is my numbers have Michigan as a half point better, but you add three for the home field advantage. So I mean, Ohio State and Michigan right now, you know, according to my numbers, are pretty much even. Um, So that's, that's one of those just toss up games. Um, And and the other thing uh, to consider, even when you look at the Purdue game last year, you know, we lose by what, 29 points or something like that. Um, I think Ohio state had, I think it was seven or eight trips to the red zone that either resulted in a field goal or no points. So even as poorly as they played, if they just capitalize on those, on some of those red zone trips, it's, it's a toss up game. So um, I mean, crazy things like that happen every year, so that's why that's why I said you got to take take the numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt because you know stuff like that happens. Ohio State moved the ball, got into the red zone, and then and then couldn't score. So is that possible two or three times this year? Sure.
2: But when you think about it, then Tyler, just sort of as a general thing, with with the information you have, with the way that you personally analyze college football as an Ohio State football fan. How good do you feel about the idea of the Buckeyes going twelve and zero?
0: I feel like their ceiling. If they played their absolute best in in twelve games, they could go twelve and zero. Um, you know, the the interesting thing is going to be how they how Ryan Day has them has them ready because we saw with Urban, even though he was arguably the best at Getting teams motivated for huge games like the Alabama game or you know national championship game, he was excellent at that. It was the games against the Purdue's of the world that that make you a little nervous. So I'm I'm interested to see how that um, kind of intangible motivation factor um, is with uh, with Ryan Day. Uh, so, but like I said, I, I do think their ceiling is 12 and 0, but I, I tend to lean. Like like I had uh, texted you. I don't I don't necessarily think they go nine and three. I think probably it's it's somewhere in the middle. And I think uh, a, a more realistic outcome is with uh, with them going about uh, ten and two or eleven and one.
2: Tyler Shoemaker. Now that I know that you are a uh, for entertainment purposes only college football analytical genius although you know what it's all legal now it's all legal it's all legal we can we can talk about this stuff except, yeah um, except in, in south carolina it's not <laughs> yeah and it's not in ohio either yet but like we'll get there yeah. we'll all get there someday um <laughs> yep exactly so 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 now that i know you know tyler shoemaker i mean you've been in my life for a very long time you know we we've we've corresponded on twitter we correspond on text but but i never knew you on this level, Tyler Shoemaker and I have a newfound yeah, well, and even, an even greater respect for you.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I, I appreciate that, and yeah, I was I was disappointed last year when uh, when you and Landis were doing the uh, you know the against the spread picks every week. I, I was disappointed. I, I was hoping to get a shot to to come on and kind of talk about it with you
2: guys. I think it was better for you because with the fact that you provide. Actual hardcore analysis, you do not want to be associated with <laughs> knuckleheads like us. You're better off staying away and just uh, analyzing your numbers. Um, well, anyway, Tyler, it's great to get a chance to catch up with you. We appreciate you uh, listening. We appreciate you subscribing on text. And uh, I, I know we will text and tweet soon, and hopefully we'll have you back on the pod someday. But thanks so much for this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you,
2: Doug. All right. Thanks to my guy, t Shu, who has been around. From the get-go, uh, he did, after he got back from his lunch break and, uh, had journalists that, uh, he subscribes to their text service stop bothering him at work. He said, he sent me a, a response on the text and you guys, you guys can send the responses to me on the text. And then and, and I, I can't always get right back to it, but I try to go through, uh, every few days and, and send some responses because, you know, I care about you guys. So he said, back in front of my computer, my lines for each Ohio State game as of now. This is T. Shue with his research, setting his lines. Florida Atlantic, favored by 26.5. Cincinnati, favored by 15.5. At Indiana, favored by 11.5. Miami, Ohio, favored by 30. At Nebraska, favored by seven. Michigan State favored by eight and a half. At Northwestern favored by nine and a half. Home versus Wisconsin favored by nine. Maryland favored by 21. Rutgers favored by 25. And I got to say, that's some respect for Rutgers. How about that? <laughs> a less less than a four touchdown favorite on the road at Rutgers for Ohio State from T. Penn state favored by six and a half. So that's what he's saying. All these games, they're at least a six and a half point favorite in the first 11 games and the games that are against the the most dangerous games, right? Cincinnati, 15 and a half, Nebraska, seven, Michigan state, eight and a half, Northwestern, nine and a half, Wisconsin, nine, Penn state, six and a half. And then you finish with Michigan, a three and a half point underdog. So thanks to Tyler Shoemaker for doing that research for us. Um, and, and now I want to get into, uh, some of what you guys wrote in your responses when I sent it out, uh, about 12 and 0. I also want to say very quickly that I'm a psycho <laughs> and, and I think I know that and I think you know that. So, you know, last week I had a rant. Was it the greatest thing in the world? Um, no, probably not. Like, would I, would I, do I regret it? No. I mean, I just, I said what I said and I stand by it, but is it like, appropriate for me to be on here doing that? Maybe not, but I will say that like, really a lot of you guys on text, some people on Twitter, like re- reaching out and saying like, you know. We like what you do, Doug. Um, sort of maybe acknowledging that, like I'm, uh, I'm freaking out a little bit. I, do, I sometimes do this at the start of the season. I often do it in the middle late part of the season. My wife always knows the week when I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm a failure, and she's like, It's week ten. This happens every year for 15 years. Um, so I appreciate you guys if you texted if you uh, sent your um, regards, um, if you sent your appreciation for the way I choose to go about this job, it was read. It was noted. uh, It was very much appreciated. I am not going to make this podcast on a regular basis unless I am. No, am I? Uh, Probably not. A, A place for me to have personal rants about things. I will say this. Today, I was driving to McDonald's. I left my hotel room, went to McDonald's to get some breakfast. And my daughter called me and said, you are doing a Facebook Live right now. And I have no idea how I was doing it. And it was on my personal Facebook account. So it wasn't like on cleveland.com. But somehow, like, I pocket hit enough buttons, like pocket dialed enough buttons to start a Facebook Live video, totally without my knowledge. And my wife was worried that I had somehow done it while I was getting into the shower and that Facebook was about to see some things that Facebook doesn't want to see. Um, so I'm curious about, I pocket dialed Bill Landis like four times a week. And I do people still pocket dial people? I pocket dialed Braxton Miller's number from Brown's practice the other day. It's an iPhone. It's not like, is this something that I should be passed? I feel old and dumb and... I just want to know if people still do it. So let me know, text, Twitter, whatever. Do you still occasionally pocket dial people? Do you occasionally start a Facebook live video with your pocket, uh, or is it just me? So um, I, I want to get to my ten reasons for why I think they could go twelve and four. Uh, but I also want to I also want to get to this because I had done a, a poll on Twitter about twelve and zero. That again, it's about setting the baseline, and again. The point is 12 and 0 is different than making the playoff. 12 and 0, um, will get them in the playoff. And it's like, I guess I'm not, I was going to say, am I out of the business of guaranteeing things? Cause I guaranteed Notre Dame would lose last year and they did. No, I'm not out of the business of guaranteeing things. If they go 12 and 0, they're making the playoff. No, I take that back. If they go 12 and 0, they're getting in the Big Ten championship game. Then they have to win the Big Ten championship game to get in the playoff. So 12 and 0 actually might not be enough because it wasn't enough for Wisconsin, uh, a couple years ago, but, let me find the poll your prediction for ohio state's regular season record sent this out on july 29th 2604 votes my options were 12 and 0 11 and 1 10 and 2 9 and 3 take a moment to yourself and think what do you think won? guess ready did you guess 43% of the vote for 11 and 1 26% Guess for yourself again, which one's going to be 26% for 10 and two, 25% for 12 and zero, and nobody's with me on nine and three, 7% on nine and three. So a quarter of the people thought you could go 12 and zero. that's really hard. I think that middle ground is the easiest place to land. That's 69%, that's more than two thirds thinking either 10 or two or 11 and one. So 12 and zero and nine and three are the extremes. Um, but 12 and 0 is, is four times as popular as nine and three. So that is one fourth of Ohio State fans on Twitter believing that 12 and 0 is possible. So let's get to a couple of, uh, of the scenarios. The way you guys explained it, I, I asked you to give me the most likely ways to get to 12 and 0, and then we'll get to my list of 10 reasons for how the Buckeyes could go 12 and 0 on this scarlet colored podcast for the 2019 Buckeyes. So we're starting with this one. Doug, I'm a schedule geek. By the way, I, I I the the text responses um I get a variety of of how often they respond, but when I when I sent out the call for 12 and 0, 080, I got 80 re- text responses, which is good. So Doug, I'm a schedule geek. I believe that the success of the eight or so teams that have an opportunity to win a national championship every year hinges on one main thing. What does the schedule ask of you? couple examples. The 2017 Penn State schedule asked them to play Michigan at home, then Ohio State and Michigan State on the road in consecutive weeks. They were arguably the best team in the Big Ten that year, but the schedule asked too much of them. Texas A&M will be good this year, but the schedule asks them to play Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. Conversely, Alabama's schedule doesn't ask that much of them, or they wouldn't be five for five in playoff appearances. So I I think that is an interesting point. You have to decide what you think this schedule asks of Ohio State. And as much as I think there are steady challenges each week, do you think that Nebraska-Michigan State double dip back-to-back is going to get them? Do you think Nebraska on a Friday night on the road is tough because it's kind of weird? Do you think the Penn State-Michigan back-to-back at the end of the year? Are you looking at 10-0 and and then you're reaching a point where you're being asked to play probably the two other strongest teams in the Big Ten back-to-back at the end of the year. When both of those teams, you you think Justin Fields and Ohio State would have figured it out by then, both of those teams should be at peak performance by then, too. So I think that the schedule always matters. That's the context of this. One thing is about your team, but then there's also, you know, what is up with everybody else? Um, This is a long text from the 502 area code. I'm not going to read it all, but this will be a long text, so I apologize in advance. Some general notes on why we can go 12-0. and The defense puts the offense in some tough spots in those midseason close games. In 2019, the defensive scheme should allow players to play faster and react. So as opposed to what the defense did a year ago with the tough spots, that will be better. There won't be much tape on any defensive scheme changes, so preparing against it won't be as simple. Uh, Nick Bosa was on track for a huge jump before his injury. Um, not unthinkable that Chase Young could be on track for that same kind of thing. I think I agree with that. Um, the offensive line has a higher ceiling, yes. The first four games should be a challenging warm-up to catch the offense up to speed. I agree with that to some degree. Uh, I think I think Cincinnati maybe could get a little liffy, but again, it's not Oklahoma. Um, and then sort of going through... What other teams lost? Because I do think sometimes in the preseason, it's my habit to know all the ins and outs of Ohio State's question marks and just look at the good things of other teams who I don't know as intimately. Uh, So I think there are points here about how you shut down Nebraska, how Ohio State in the past has had success shutting down Wisconsin's run game. Um, Michigan State is returning a ton of talent, but they did that last year and took a step back. Um, And Michigan is sort of changing its offense. So, uh, you know, I I I think... There are, there are some smart, good points in there. Um, like a lot of people made. This is a, this is another one. Pretty simple answer. Quarterback play. This kid, Justin Fields, is going to light it up. And to date, he has not been given his just due. The only player ranked higher than him in the recruiting class won the championship last year. He is part JT and part Troy Smith. People asked me last year, who do you compare Haskins to in the NFL? I had to think for a minute or two and said, Dan Marino. But Justin Fields, he says Tate Martell at quarterback would have equaled 9-3. Justin Fields equals 12-0. That's why this head coach went out and got him. Just wait what Georgia when Georgia does not make the playoff, they'll wish their QB was the one we have. Cheers from the 408 area code. It's not unreasonable to believe that much in Justin Fields. We all might have differing opinions on Justin Fields. It is not unreasonable to believe that much. I think the Buckeyes realistically could go 12-0 for a litany of reasons from the 3-3-0. The number one most obvious reason is the first half of the season provides a significant cushion for trial and error. Not having a big non-conference game for the first time in years will be huge for Justin Fields. I think we're also forgetting how special Fields is. Schedule being backloaded along with two buys in the middle will really help the team not only prep well and get themselves in order, but it will also allow them to be relatively healthy headed into the gauntlet. And as you mentioned on the pod, Doug, I think fans can often just forget how insanely talented this team can and should be. They are oozing with potential, especially at receiver. Let's also not forget how many times a freshman head coach can actually receive a bump his first year. Um, interesting. 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 Let's see. Oh, here's a... <laughs> I'm, this is... Can I play? give super props? I'm just going through the text. i read some from before, but... Hey, Doug, I really like the text thing, but I have to stop because I ran out of money. How do I cancel? STOP in all caps. That's how you cancel, by the way, in a text. Text STOP in all caps. For five seconds, it hurts my feeling, but I get it. Uh, from the five one three. This is a good one. It will be twelve and zero because then I get to enjoy listening to my favorite Ohio State covering journalist. No sarcasm. Thanks, bro, or 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 sis. Defend himself against his nine and three take for several months. Will it into existence? I'm here for that. I wrote bullets below. Then I realized it's simpler. Ryan Day plus Mickey Mar- Mickey Maradi blends the best of Urban and Dabo Sweeney. That's going to be lightning in a bottle right out of the gate. The 2017 and 18 recruiting classes were Urban's two best. That's the core of this team. That is a strong point. Maradi and his strength team are as good as anyone in developing talent, so the potential from 17 and 18 will be realized this year. That's your second-year players and third-year players. That's the heart of any program like this. The first-year guys usually aren't ready to contribute. A lot of the best fourth-year guys are gone. You win with your second- and third-year guys. And the second and third year guys in this team, this is me riffing now, are both the top two recruit classes in the country. Maradi still coaches this team in the offseason. The gaps from last year have been addressed. Offensive line will be better. Linebackers and defensive back coaching is better. Defensive philosophy will allow players to execute. The quarterback learning curve can survive for the first six games. And Day's style will keep the team positive and loose while maintaining intensity needed to win tight games. No embarrassing upsets for the 5-1-3. Here's the thing, and I'm, I mean, I'm here to acknowledge this. There is nothing in these 12-0 arguments that isn't true. Will it happen? I mean, of course, we don't know. Could it? 100%. There's no, I, I, as I've gone through these, and as you play it out in anyone's head, there's nothing fanciful. It's best-case scenario. But there are teams, I mean, if you went through right now and said, how can Minnesota go 12-0? It's fanciful. How can Michigan and State go 12-0? and Fanciful. How can Texas A&M, as someone mentioned with the schedule earlier, go 12-0? and You're really beating Bama and Georgia and whoever else you have to beat? You're winning all those games? Again, maybe Texas A&M has a playoff case. Do they really have a 12-0 and case? No. So a lot of teams in the country, you couldn't even try this exercise. Ohio State, you can try it. I might disagree with the, the final evaluation, but it's hard to disagree with the reasoning because I think each little reason makes a lot of sense. Doug, my persuasive persuasive text for 12-0 and simply goes like this. I think the defense is going to be rock solid this season. I believe solid defenses are the antidote to trap games, as well as the Iowas and Purdue's of the world jumping up and derailing a season. The defense will buy time for Justin Fields to grow into his position. We will look back on 2019 and find ourselves thanking two ex-Michigan coaches, that's Al Washington and Greg Madison for sending us into the Big Ten championship unbeaten for a rematch with Nebraska from the 6 1 4. I'm not going to do all of them, but again, I got 80. I'm, I'm going to try to do the best ones, and there's so many good ones. The Buckeye case for 12 and 0 by Marlon Hopgood, putting a name on it from the 7 3 4. Three macro reasons the motivation effect of the preseason disrespect. And if that happens, then I, I, I get a little, I get a little, uh, I don't want a ring. I mean, it makes me laugh when like, the journalists, like you find out at the end of their career, it's like, and then they received a ring from the team. It's like, no, I don't want to be friends with the team I cover. But it's my poll. If my poll from cleveland.com, the only preseason poll exists that exists as a true poll, uh, helps provide some motivation for Ohio State, then so be it. The motivation effect of the preseason disrespect— because, wow, this is a little harsh. Because Urban isn't the coach, the coaching staff and roster will no longer be, misman- be mismanaged. Urban lost his edge, and he misappropriated loyalty. Because Urban was the coach, the infrastructure is there from recruiting to strength and conditioning to personal development. Urban instilled a championship culture that makes 12-0 possible every season. Only three other programs have that. We know who they are. Don't think George is quite there yet. Now he gets into some micro-reasons. The run game will return to prominence, and so will the defense scheduling reason. The four-game stretch that starts with Michigan State is the toughest thing, but there's buys and there are home games in there. That makes it manageable. And the Michigan reason, no one in the Michigan program actually believes they can conquer the Buckeyes. Not buying the fact that they have the roster talent to do it. Josh Gaddis has never called a play in a game before, never. So that's Marlon Hopgood. I really like the part in there, Marlon, about the idea of you feel like you've eliminated... Maybe some of the questions about Urban Meyer, the ruthlessness we talked about, the hiring friends, the whatever. But you've maintained the best of Urban Meyer, which is structure. I think there's some really smart points in there. Uh, Let's see. 440 says the Buckeyes have more talent than any other team in the Big Ten, and it isn't particularly close. The 2018 Buckeyes lost only one game with a defense that was mostly a disaster. If they have figured anything out on that side of the ball... It's tough to see other Big Ten teams keeping pace with Day's offense. Non-conference schedule is one of the easiest in recent Buckeye history, which will hopefully give Fields and the new O-line time to gel. Free Demario, good one. I would I approve of anything that ends with Free Demario. Don't think it could happen. Sorry. Also respect that. Ryan Day, this is from the 203 area code. Ryan Day is the next Lincoln Riley. Justin Fields follows the same track as Trevor Lawrence last season. Someone emerges that can take the top off a defense. I think they have a couple options there. I think Ben Victor as a deep, deep ball, big play guy is possible. Um, but I also think Chris Olave could go nuts. I, I don't think Ben Victor's is going to be the, base, the best down-in, down-out guy. I think, I think Olave could be really good. Ruckert becomes a middle-of-the-field vertical threat. In my opinion, the offensive line will be much improved. Higher talent level, nastier play. Entire offense just needs time to gel. Day is not Trestle, so don't see tentative play-calling as an option. Defensively, We were an anomaly last season. The scheme was poor. We were young in spots as well. Each level of the defense should see experience, size, speed, upgrades. With more time in the system, they also have a reason to play and prove people wrong. Talent with an edge is the best thing you can be. So it's like the best best formula for any team. If you could pick like any, say what, hey, coach X in any sport, what do you want your formula of your team to be? Super talented but doubted is about as good as it gets. So, again, if that's where we are with uh, with Ohio State maybe not being perceived as the Big Ten favorite, but clearly with the best recruiting talent at least, that's not a bad place to be. I'm adjusting my – can you hear me adjusting my blanket? Hey. Whew. Ah, uh, let's see. From the nine four nine, the offense will be fine. Ryan Day has proven that he can adjust to the talent he has and build a system around that. Even with a first-year starter at quarterback, I'm pretty sure it worked out with a first-year starter last year. Dwayne Haskins. Fields is Braxton Willard with more tools and talent as a passer. From the eight four seven, 4 liked my rant last week. Appreciate that. I think it's much more likely they go 12-0 than 9-3. It's about talent. Ohio State simply has more talent than every team on the schedule. That being said, quarterback is the most pivotal position. But fields will get better as the season goes on. I think simplifying the scheme will allow them to play a lot faster on defense and more instinctually. Lastly, all this talk of Gaddis at UM, he is wholly unproven. And will Harbaugh go against his nature and 100% give up control of the offense? I have doubt. So listen, this is really, really good, okay? From the 813, wanting to be a guest. I'm going to get more of you guys on later. I like having the people on. You guys are good. Why do I have to go to, I don't have to go to journalists. You guys know more than than I do half the time. Here's the argument for 12-0 from the eight one three. Talent at the end of the day, talent wins out. And I don't believe there's another team that has more talent than the Buckeyes do. Some of it is unproven, but I believe the pieces are there to improve coaching. Not a knock on Urban, but I do believe the program started to get slightly stale. I think Ryan Day will modernize the offense. Again, talent at every spot. I think the defense will actually carry the team. Three, Justin Fields, he will be worth all the hype. But at the back end of the season, I do see some growing pains, but he will be good enough, especially with his legs. The legs make a difference. If you're going to grow with a quarterback, you want him to be able to escape his mistakes and escape the mistakes of others. Guy runs a wrong route. Offensive line misses a block. The play call gets screwed up. Justin Fields still has a chance to get you positive yards on that play. Dwayne Haskins would have more difficulty doing that. So Dwayne Haskins, as much as I was in favor of playing Dwayne Haskins in in 2017, a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins might take longer to come around because if stuff is not – if there's not some precision involved from all 11, it's going to be a little more difficult for Dwayne Haskins to make something out of nothing. Nothing. I do think in the first six games – I might even count it. Can we count that in the first six games? Let's count the something out of nothing Justin Fields plays. And how many times did something go wrong and he – with his talent as a runner and his smarts and skill and instincts as a runner, he still made it work. That's going to be really interesting. At the end of the season, we will see what Fields recruiting hype was all about from the 813. Um, 312 three one two oh oh, that's the three, yeah. The 321 area code says, wish I could find an argument for 12 0, I just can't. 312 area code says 12 and 0 is really a possibility. This is college football. My athletes versus your, my athletes versus yours. It's how Dabo and Saban and Urban before them win games. Um, really good. So really good. I just, I'm not going to get to everybody, but I, I think you guys are making a case. You know what? These are good. I think you think they're interesting because I think you're nodding along or shaking your head. And I think it's, it's interesting for fans. I, I get it. A lot of times you want a, a, a perspective from a supposed – I'm putting – if I wasn't holding up a comforter, I'd put that in air quotes. Expert, right? Who talks to people is there or whatever. Gets paid for this stuff. But sometimes you, you're curious if other fans, other smart, informed fans, if they're thinking like you. So I hope you're enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. From the 248 area code. For 12 and 0 to happen, the handful of position groups that are more potential than proven have to pop, and I think they can. I think the offensive line will be sneaky good this year. Phil Steele had them around 40. I think they can be closer to 20, maybe even 10. Justin Fields has to live up to the hype, and if he does, he is at worst a top 20 quarterback, maybe top 10. So if you pull up Phil Steele's position rankings and adjust the quarterback and offensive line to 20, maybe even 10, that team can go 12 and 0. Actual prediction 10 and 2. But I understand the upside argument, which is what I asked for. Like it, 618 area code. Michigan loses a ton of talent on a defense that gave up 69 to Ohio State. Ohio State's two main weaknesses from a 13 and 1 campaign were its defense and its offensive line, and both of which will be much improved this year. Ohio State will face only one elite defense in Penn State, and who knows how their offense is. Lastly, Nebraska will come down to the better defense. I'll take my chances with Chase Young and the Silver Bullets. That's Brad. Thank you, Brad. Um, 513 says, can I do the opposite as opposed to making the 12-0 case? Lack of QB depth, even if Fields ends up being as good as advertised, makes any prediction almost pointless. We are an injury away from total disaster. Fields is healthy. 12-0 could happen because Ohio State has out-recruited the Big Ten. If he gets hurt, all bets are off. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. And so for us to even, like, go down a road, not that you'd normally do that anyway. I mean, it's a, it's a little more dire, right? It's a little more... There's another stop. Stop! <laughs> stop texting me for money! It's a little more dire with this current Ohio State situation. And, and again... The Cardale Jones third quarterback stuff and the way JT Barrett was prepared uh, as a redshirt freshman to take over in 2014 is amazing. So that's great. But but everybody – I mean you threw your predictions out the window in 2014. This Big Ten preseason poll that I've been doing since 2009, the blip in there is that in 2014, Ohio State at Big Ten media days was predicted to win the Big Ten. But then I decided after the Braxton Miller injury to go back to as many voters as I could and redo it. Because I I wanted it to be a true prediction. Now, if we had just stayed by the initial prediction, Ohio State at Big Ten Media Days in 2014 with Braxton Miller as the expected starting quarterback was predicted to win the Big Ten. Overwhelmingly. When I went back to people with Braxton Miller out for the year, Michigan State became the pick. And then Ohio State went on to win the national title. So that in that way, I list our poll as being wrong. But I wanted in that moment, rather than relying on a July thing when there was such a drastic, such a drastic change to the favorite, I thought it was worth a reevaluation so that by the end of the year, we would have a true evaluation of what the poll really thought about given the realities. And everybody abandoned Ohio State as the Big Ten favorite, and you probably did too. They're playing JT Barrett. So that's just where we are. Most of the time, that's where we are. And if Gunner Hoke is going to come in and shock the world, then so be it. But I think right now, most top teams, maybe not all, maybe not in every situation, next year if Justin Fields is the start, is the starting quarterback, well, Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback next year, and Jack Miller's going to be here. And if you said, well, Jack Miller is a true freshman, I wouldn't want to play him. But if he had to play, that dude, the top 100 national recruit, basically, is the guy they wanted. They went out and got him. He's here to be a starter later. There's a big difference when your backup is your future starter, as opposed to when your backup is a guy that you never expect to play. You expect him to be a full-time backup. So JT Barrett was a guy. He was the backup, but he just was the backup for now. Everyone knew he was going to start. He just started early. The difference right now is that Gunnar Hoke, just no offense to him, no one expects him to ever start here. He might. I don't think he will, but the expectation, the plan is that he won't. You're going to go from Justin Fields to Jack Miller. So when your number two quarterback is a guy who's never in the plans to start, you view it differently, and that's where we are now. So again, there's no point in spending a lot of time on the what-ifs of what if your starting quarterback gets hurt, but it's just a different argument for Ohio State this season than it would be another season. So appreciate all those 12-0 and rationales from you guys. I hope you liked hearing those. And now let's get to my list. 10 Reasons Ohio State Can Go 12-0. All right, my list. I'm going to start with Justin Fields. And and a lot of my list is uh, going to be uh, duplicative. Uh, I lost my list on my sheet. Oh, hold on. Oh, is that the sheet? It's going to be duplicative of what you said, but just because you said it doesn't mean I can't say it. Okay, so one is Justin Fields. And... Uh, this is, this is all leaning into like the fact that guys have done this, right? That, that Trevor Lawrence, who was the number one recruit in 2018, Justin Fields was number two. Trevor Lawrence takes the starting job for Clemson last year. They go to the national title game. Uh, I'm going to go to an example though, cause I just, I don't, Trevor Lawrence is like Andrew Luck. He's, he's going to be the best NFL prospect at quarterback in probably like a decade. People already want to draft him. So I just, I think we have to take our comparison beyond Trevor Lawrence because I think Trevor Lawrence is nuts. Um, but let's go to other quarterbacks and let's go to the guy that helped Justin Leaves Justin Fields leave Georgia, who is Jake Fromm, who uh in twenty the class of twenty seventeen, he was the number four overall quarterback. Davis Mills at Stanford was one. Hunter Johnson, who who basically got bypassed at uh at, at Clemson by Trevor Lawrence, and then transferred to Northwestern. By the way, watch out for Hunter Johnson as Northwestern's quarterback this year. Uh He was number two. Tua Tonga-Vailoa was number three, and then Jake Fromm was number four. So he goes into the season. There's an injury to, this, to the Easton guy who was the starter at Georgia in week one, and, and Jake Fromm as a true freshman. And again, I'm not trying to – Justin Fields has an edge on true freshman because he's played a year of college football – Um he, he knows what it's like. He didn't play a ton at Georgia. He played some, but I, I'm sort of thinking of him as a true freshman in the Ohio State offense, right? So Jake Fromm in week two, it, it's his first start. He beats Notre Dame in 2017, right? As a true freshman, they beat Notre Dame. Uh, he beats Tennessee. He beats Florida. Uh, they, they didn't really play another ranked team. Um, but, but this is what happened. Like, Georgia emerges that year with him as a true freshman at, at quarterback. But here are his stats. And let's keep this in mind. And let's keep in mind the idea of helping your young quarterback. That year, Jake Fromm threw 21 touchdowns and only five picks. Okay. That's good. And, and I'm a little, as much as I'm in favor of throwing picks and making plays and taking chances, that's one of the things I'm a little wary about with Justin Fields, some early picks. So I just want to go through this because you're going to be shocked, I think. Jake Fromm, his stats, starting with week two against Notre Dame, 16 of 29 for 141. The next week, he he they play a, a lousy team. He's 8 of 13 for 165. Mississippi State, they win 31 to 3. Mississippi State's ranked. He's 9 of 12 for 201 yards. The next week, they shut out Tennessee, 41 nothing. He's 7 of 15 for 84 yards, and they score 41 points. Their starting quarterback throws for 84 yards. That is, and I want to go into the box score here. That is crazy. That is ridiculous. Nick Chubb ran for 109. Sony Michel ran for 63. The defense went nuts. That's how you help a young quarterback. And that's what we all starting with Ryan day, who said it, and we talked about on this podcast last week, that's what must happen early. That's what must happen early for Ohio state. They've got to find a way to help Justin Fields. Cause I think judging starting quarterbacks by their record is, is like a reasonable thing to do, but we all understand that like it's, it's not a hundred percent fair, right? It goes, Beyond that. So, um, so Georgia really helped Jake Fromm in year one. They didn't ask too much of him. So, how much are you going to ask of Justin Fields? I, I think Ryan Day may not ask that much. And if you don't ask that much, then you allow the player to give you a lot by not asking too much. So, he's 7 of 15 for 84 against Tennessee, 7 of 11 for 102 the next week in a 45 14 win over, over Vanderbilt. He throws for 326 to beat Mizzou, 53 28. They asked something there. Florida, they win 42 to 7 against Florida. Jake Fromm is 4 of 7 for 101 yards. It's unbelievable. South Carolina, 16 of 22 for 196. They get smoked by Auburn. It's their loss, 40 to 17. He's 13 of 28 for 184, sacked four times. They come back. They beat Kentucky. He's 9 of 14. They beat Georgia Tech. He's 12 of 16. They beat Auburn in the SEC Championship. He's 16 of 22 for 183. Then they go. They beat Oklahoma in double overtime. He's 20 of 29 for 210. Super efficient. Two touchdowns. And then they lose to Alabama in overtime in the national championship game. So that's Jake Fromm getting to the national championship game as a freshman in a year when he was 4 of 7 against Florida. So that's what you're talking about. I think if you don't ask too much of Justin Fields, then he can give you what you're asking. So that's where I am. Um, that's where I am. That's where I am. That's where I am. So I believe that. I believe as long as they don't ask too much of Justin Fields, he can give you a lot. Number two, the offensive line is better. Again, we've talked about this. I think relying on Jonah Jackson as a guy who, who maybe could be an all-Big Ten caliber guy as a veteran. He was really good. At At Rutgers, I mean, if Thayer Munford makes the leap, if you're telling me Thayer Munford's going to look like a a relatively high uh, NFL draft choice in his third year i, I don't think that's impossible i'm not hundred percent sure i'm totally backing on that I don't think it's impossible. But if you're telling me that you're really going to get good play from young guys on the right side of the line, top 50 national recruits, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Nicholas petit Frere, I think absolutely the offensive line can be better than last year, when honestly you're playing guys like Demetrius Knox and Malcolm Pridgen on that offensive line who just, you know, they're not in the NFL right now. They're not They're not going to make rosters. And, and usually, you know, some of Ohio State, when you have a really great offensive line, Isaiah Prince was like a seventh-round pick. I'm not sure he's going to make a roster. So you had three seniors on that offensive line, Plus Michael Jordan went pro, you know, three of the guys are not real huge NFL prospects and Michael Jordan was playing the wrong position last year. So can this offensive line be better than that? Although that offensive line played so well against Michigan, yes, the offensive line can be better. That's number two. The off, the number three is the the receivers go nuts. Again, Paris Campbell's flashing in Colts camp right now. Okay. He's doing some things, but then can the receivers be better than last year? I think they can. KJ Hill is super reliable. Somebody this week mentioned uh, some random draft analyst on Twitter, but I don't disregard those guys out of hand because I the, I follow the draft analysts that I really respect, and then they sometimes bring other people into my timeline on Twitter. Somebody got this brought this guy into my timeline. He said he had found his number, his second guy in preseason evaluations that he thinks is a, is a first-rounder, and it's K.J. Hill. Now, he had a 4-3 time on K.J. Hill for the 40 that I think is too fast. I don't believe that. I don't think that's factual based on what he's actually run. But he's talking hands, agility, elusiveness, reliability with K.J. Hill. I'm there for all that. So someone else on Twitter made a, a, a comparison of Jarvis Landry for K.J. Hill, and I think that's in the right range because Jarvis Landry is not a tremendous NFL athlete, but he's a good, solid, reliable guy that is making a boatload of money. So you have KJ Hill. Can Chris Olave break out and be like awesome? Be all Big Ten caliber? Absolutely. I think Garrett Wilson's going to have 600 receiving yards. And I don't know what Austin Mack and Ben Victor are going to do, but is there a top end there? 100%. Can the receivers be as good as last year? It Maybe in a different way, not relying on the slot guys, not relying on Paris Campbell in the slot as your eight to be your most dangerous guy, but relying on Garrett Wilson and Austin Mack to be dangerous. And Chris Olave to be dangerous on the outside, 100%. I think the receivers theoretically could be better than last year. Defensively, four, Chase Young is healthy. And Tyreek Smith and Jonathan Cooper on the other end proved to be really good. That pass rush, as, as someone else mentioned, Nick Bosa got hurt last year. Are we talking top end like that with Chase Young? 100% think we're talking top end like that. And, and Chase Young, if he's healthy, he was not healthy for most of the middle chunk of last year. So I don't think we saw the real Chase Young. Um, and I think the real Chase Young, if he stands up, could be as dangerous as any pass rusher in college football. Nick Bosa on his own. You saw it in the TCU game and then it was gone. Nick Bosa on his own made defenses, made offenses, excuse me, made opposing offenses change what they wanted to do. TCU enacted a game plan last year that Ohio State defensively wasn't ready for because they weren't ready for a lot of stuff. But TCU got the ball out of their quarterback's hand really quickly and tried to get playmakers in space. And the minute they held the ball, the minute the quarterback tried a five-step drop, Nick Bosa sacked him in the end zone, forced a fumble. So are we talking about that? Are we talking about a world where Chase Young does not allow offenses to operate as normal? I think we could be. And if we are... We saw for a half last year how Nick Bosa can take a good team out of their game. If we see it for 12 games, if we see it for those five games against ranked teams where they can't be who they are offensively because Chase Young is forcing them to do certain things to get rid of the ball, that's a game changer. I think he could be that. And I think, you know, some... I think I'm maybe just not expecting a ton from Jonathan Cooper, who was a top 50, top 100 national recruit, who's been along for around for a long time, who's going to be a captain, is a reliable guy. Do I expect a huge top end from him? No, I'm not. Could he prove me wrong? 100%. Borderline five-star recruit. Am I expecting a big year from Tyreek Smith? Yeah, I am. So if you're telling me that opposite end from Chase Young is going to be really, really good and is going to be freed up to make plays because you're going to triple team Chase Young, is that possible? 100%. Number five is finding the right linebackers. They're there. I'm convinced they're there. I'm convinced that there is a right mix that can allow Ohio State to have three really good linebackers on the field for most snaps. And it could be different linebackers from play to play situationally. I just don't think we were there last year. Can they get there this year? hundred percent. We've talked about it. I am saying someone said that I'm saying a hundred percent a lot. And that Steven said that. And I don't know if that's a direct correlation, but if I'm trying to be like, uh, you know, a little cooler, like a 24 year old guy, then, Hey, you know, guy with gray hair sitting under, under blankets, got to, you know, find, find where, whatever he can. So I believe that I believe that's possible. I think it's probable actually that they're going to find that right mix. And that, on short yardage is tough Borland and on other plays it's Torada Mitchell and that there's a role for Baron Browning and that Malik Harrison's going to be really good and that there's a role for Dallas Gant. I think they're going to find it. So I, I think that is not even a stretch that, that, that I, I'm expecting that. And that would put you on the path of 12 and 0. Number six is that Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett. And then Jordan Fuller and the rest of that secondary makes this look like the 2016 secondary, that ridiculous 2016 secondary that had four top half of the first round picks playing together with Marshawn Lattimore. Not talk- Garron Conley fell because of off-field stuff. I think he could have. I think he would went in the 20s. He could have been higher if that didn't happen. Um But Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Cooker, Denzel Ward, all really super high top half of the first round, not just first rounders. If could Arnett and Okuda and Sean Wade and Jordan Fuller play to close to that? Fuller's not Hooker, he's not. That's okay. Could he play to a level where he's like a mid-second round pick, where he's more like Von Bell? I think he could. And could Arnett and Okuda and Sean Wade play to a level where when we talk about a comparison to Marshawn Lattimore, Garion Conley, and Denzel Ward, we're not that far away from that? I think they could. If you're telling, I believe Jeff Okuda's going to be a first round pick. Could Sean Wade be a first round pick? Maybe after this year, maybe after next year. I think it could happen. Absolutely. Could Damon Arnett be a first-round pick the way Garyon comley was? If he plays his best, I'm not expecting it. Top end, maybe. Duran Grant was really good here. Fourth-round pick. Could Damon Arnett at least be a third or fourth-round pick? Uh-huh. So I think that's what you're looking at in that secondary. If they hit that, that's on the path to 12-0. Number seven, you guys have mentioned it. The defensive scheme is just better. And it's not just better, it's good. It's not just better compared to, to Greg Schiano and Bill Davis. It's good. It's smart. It's ahead of the game. It's a perfect mix of Jeff Halfley and what he's bringing from the NFL and Greg Madison and what he intimately knows about college football in the Big Ten. It's a perfect mix of old and new, pro and college, aggressive and, and, and uh, uh, reliable, not giving up big plays like they did last year, but yet getting after the quarterback. Is that there? It's there. I believe in Jeff Halfley, I think. Do I believe in Greg Madison exactly to the same level? No. Does Greg Madison have a resume of having done this for 40 years? Yeah, he does. So I'm questioning it. Now, I'm okay questioning it. Could Greg Madison shove that in my face, as you guys might shove nine and three in my face? He absolutely could shove it in my face. So, you know, there was a top end for Greg Schiano too. Greg Schiano was an NFL head coach who had done miraculous things at Rutgers, who knew how to coach football. He had a bad year last year. He had a bad year. So would anyone have predicted, hey, a Greg Schiano defense is going to fall off a cliff? I don't know. Maybe there's an X and O guy. And if you're one of them and you want to come back and say, I saw this coming, that's okay. You can tell me that. I didn't I didn't assume that Greg Schiano was going to was going to tie himself in knots and tie his players in knots. But if you want to assume that Greg Madison and Jeff Hafley are going to get this right, I think you can I think it's a fair assumption. Um I think it might be wrong, but I think it's a fair assumption. Eight coaching on the offensive side of the ball will Ryan Day Mike Yurcich and Kevin Wilson be better than what Urban Meyer, Tim Beck and Ed Warner were the last time we had a switch with the offensive coordinators, right? You lose Tom Herman, you switch it up. I think it goes off the deep end. We've talked, uh, we all saw it went off the deep end. Why? There's disagreements about that, maybe. It didn't work. Urban holds some responsibility for that. Who holds the most? I mean, you know, Beck and Warner both hold responsibility for that. So will Ryan Day, Mike Yurcich, and Kevin Wilson find a better way for this offense to stay on track? Well, you know, Ryan Day is an innovator. Will Mike Yurcich and, and Kevin Wilson help him manage play calling, help him manage weekly game planning while still allowing Ryan Day to be a head coach? Because he can't play on the offense and have that be his focus when he's trying to be the head coach of a team. Kevin Wilson's been around. He's done it. Mike Yurcich has done it in Oklahoma State. Do you have reason to believe in Mike Yurcich and Kevin Wilson more than Tim Beck and Ed Warner? You do. Yes, you do. So do you have reason to believe that this this Ohio State offense schematically could even get better? That you're, 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 instead of using Urban Meyer as a baseline and now you're doing Ryan Day, Ryan Day's version of the Urban Meyer offense. Could the Mike Yersich, Kevin Wilson version of the Ryan Day offense be better? It could. Ryan Day, as I said, wants college formations with NFL concepts. I think he could bring college football, play calling, not to another level, but I think he could be as innovative as anybody. So if you want to rely on the belief in the offensive scheme, you have reason to do that. Number nine is is Ryan Day as the head coach. And this has been something that, again, I think I mentioned it last week on the pod. I, I kind of blacked out for part of it, so I can't remember everything I said. Do you believe in Ryan Day that there is a, there's a world where Ryan Day is better at this than Urban Meyer? Maybe not better than Urban Meyer was in 2006 or 2008 or 2014, but a world where Ryan Day as a head coach in 2019 is better than Urban Meyer as a head coach in 2016, 2017, 2018. I'm skeptical and I'm going to remain skeptical there because I'm going to remain convinced in the, in the belief that Urban Meyer motivator, Urban Meyer, overseer, Urban Meyer CEO was pretty good. I don't think Urban Meyer had gone off uh, the deep end on that, as as maybe we've seen other much older CEO type coaches do. And I don't think he was CEO, but he admitted, again, as I've talked about a lot here, that he, he had backed away. He backed away from play calling more last year than he ever had. It was hard for him to do, but he did it. Much the way that I do think Harbaugh's backing away with Josh Gaddis there this year. Sometimes you realize I, I gotta, I gotta let somebody else with some new ideas do this. But can Ryan Day as a relatable head coach, as a motivator, as a guy who fixes problems when they arise, as he handles off, off field stuff, as he helps players be their best, as he pushes the right buttons Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get ready for a game, can he be as good as Urban Meyer? Can he be better than Urban Meyer? Because you need a new look. When Ohio State struggled, Offensively in 15 and 16, mostly in 16, I know that the, the idea of the Urban Meyer offense getting stale was something that was out there. When they lost at Iowa in 20, uh, uh, 2017, I think the stale offense was there in 2016, maybe the, the loss at Iowa. I think I had a headline off that when Urban just sort of looked lost in the post game was my headline. I think off that game on my column was has Urban Meyer lost his edge? So like in the end, did he? I, I don't really think he did. It's like I, I think weird stuff happens sometimes. I'll be curious I, I, I don't have an answer for the Purdue and Iowa losses that I'm satisfied with. And I don't know that I would attribute it to Urban getting stale or Urban losing his edge. I think that's wrong because I don't think you can then say, Well, like he you know, we didn't he didn't lose it in thirteen wins that the other you know, the other there were a lot of 13 wins and one loss. So that one week, like he, was he stale for 14 weeks, but it only mattered once? Or was he only stale for one week and the other 13 weeks he was fresh? You know what I mean? Or fresh enough. So I think that can be overdone. But if you're telling me that you believe in the idea that Ryan Day, it's not about whether Ryan Day can be as good as Urban. It's that in his own way, he can be better than Urban. Ryan Day 19 is better than Urban Meyer 18 as a head coach. It's not impossible. And if he is, you might be on the way to 12-0. The last thing is that schedule. And as we sort of talked about it earlier, and it was number 10 on my list, the context matters. But unlike, and I think there's a point, sorry for a little shuffle of the the sheet there. Uh, uh, The point that someone made that you're not playing, that what Texas A&M has to do is just a different world than what Ohio State has to do. So Tyler Shoemaker said at best, 11 weeks, they're just going to be favored. They're just going to be favored. So then you've got to be upset. If you're a team that has to spring four upsets to get to 12-0, that's a difficult world, man. If you've just got to win the 11 games that you're favored in and then go beat the rival that you've dominated to get to 12-0, and that's, that's a path. So the schedule, as much as I think the schedule could bring you to 9-3, and three, I think you can look at the schedule a different way and believe that it's going to lead you to 12-0. So those are my 10 reasons. They sounded a lot like what what some of the other things you guys had said. I'm not going to get to questions this week because there's just a lot going on. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have this opportunity to speak with Ryan Day on Friday. And then we're going to start watching practices next week. And this podcast is going to change because we are going to be soaking in information. So please go read cleveland.com slash OSU. I'm going to be covering it. Stephen Means is going to be covering it. We're hiring somebody that's going to be helping us cover this sooner than later, I hope. We're going to provide you great quality coverage on a daily basis at cleveland.com slash OSU. Subscribe to the text, cleveland.com slash project text, P-R-O-J-E-C-T-T-E-X-T. Try it, $3.99 a month. Info coming straight to your phone, using you as a focus group. You get my insights. I use your voice. I use your voice to help tell the story of what Ohio State fans are thinking. You buy that. I'm selling you that opportunity. If you think maybe you don't care about that, that's fine. If you think that's interesting to have that opportunity, I'm going to do that more. Whether it's bringing people from the tech subscribers on the podcast, whether it's putting it out and reading answers like I did this week on 12 and 0, other things like that. I I want these tech subscribers who are the most loyal of of the loyal because if you're listening to this right now, you're loyal and I love you. But if you're paying me, you're putting your money where your loyalty is. And I love you a little more. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I just, I love you like a tiny bit more for the cash. So that's real. So make sure you listen to this podcast every week. I, I think we'll stay on the weekly thing. I don't think anything's going to rise during the preseason of, of like, we need to jump in with an emergency podcast. If something does, we will. Otherwise, we'll see you every Wednesday. We appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to just cut it short a little bit this week. If you sent questions, um, we'll get to them later. There's going to be a lot of things where I'm going to be curious about your questions because stuff's going to be happening. We're still in this phase where not much happened this week. So I wanted to do this 12-0 podcast. So to everyone who subscribes, to everyone who reads, to everyone who listens, thanks so much for that. For now, I'm Doug Maurice under a blanket. And that was Buckeye Talk.